Welcome to Prayer Storm Podcast. We trust that it will be a blessing to you and that it will stir you and equip you to be all God calls you to be. I heard someone say this, that culture eats vision for breakfast. So it doesn't matter how much vision you have. If the culture is just opposite to the vision, then you're not really going anywhere. So we want to establish culture. And to establish culture, we have to kind of dig down to the things that build culture, which is individuals, our mindsets. Uh, one of the things that's foundational to the way I think about prayer, not the only way, but one of the, one of the pillars to the way I think about prayer is the mindset of a warrior. Uh, the Bible t- tells us to be like people who are in the army and not act like civilians. We, uh, people who are in the army don't concern themselves with civilian matters. So when we come together to pray in a corporate setting, there's a certain kind of expectation I believe heaven has on a corporate body. See, when you get alone to pray, there's an anointing that you can tap into when you're on your own. Well, there's a certain kind of breakthrough that's available that's only available when the body comes together. Have you ever wondered why we're called the body of Christ, not the body of Jesus? Because Christ talks about the fullness of the anointing. Christ refers to who he really is, the anointed one of God, the Messiah. And we're called the body of Christ. In other words, there's a dimension of the anointing that's only manifested in the body. And that dimension is manifested when we come together as one. Okay, so that's to build up on what I was sharing a bit on last week, which is a foundation of prayer that God's calling us to is first and foremost desire for God, intimacy with God, going after God for God's sake only, not for breakthroughs, not for needs. Now, those things are good. However, we have to establish that foundation if we want to stay in this for the long haul. You need to think like, a, uh, like someone who runs the marathon. Okay, uh, this, is a, this, is a, this is a marathon, not a 100-meter sprint. So the way you run a marathon is slightly different to the way you run a 100-meter to sprint. In fact, the people who run those races, their physical, their physique is different because they're built to run the race in a certain way. In the same way, I find that the way God wants us to think about our prayer life is in the long haul, longevity, not just bursts of intensity because of a situation that's come up, but to be able to sustain intensity for the whole of our lives. I have been leading prayer storm for over 10 years now. And to be honest, it amazes me that I'm leading a ministry called prayer storm because I never really enjoyed praying to start with. (laughs) So I am just as surprised as maybe you are that I'm doing this. So I never really had this passion for prayer. uh, But what really shifted my heart to start to pursue God was what I shared last week, which is intimacy with God. That is absolutely necessary for where we're going. You will not sustain a passion for prayer or a passion for seeking God without an underlying hunger for God, period. Now, I've been in ministry long enough to understand that you can fall in love with the work of God and not the God of the work. Or fall in love with doing things for God and not God himself. I'm not talking about all the things that surround God, like serving at church or doing this. or do- I'm talking about you with God, that reality. The standard of your secret place has to be so high that it doesn't matter wherever you go, whatever opportunities happen, whatever goes on out there. You step back into your secret place and the reality of that place has to be deeper than anywhere else. Otherwise, you will not sustain a passion for God. And it's not going to be consistent and it's going to be in and out and in and out. So I cannot overemphasize the need for intimacy with God. Now, I want to build on that today because 
When we talk about being an army, we cannot be an army if you're not a soldier. We cannot, be a, we cannot be the body of Christ functioning in the anointing that God has made available for us as a church. When we pray, if you don't understand your individual responsibility when we get together to pray. So let's just, let's say you organize a prayer meeting in your home and you had a few people there, maybe five, ten people in there. And, you know, I've led many prayer meetings, so I know what they can be like sometimes. They can be awkward. And you're like, okay, everyone, we're going to pray right now. We're going to pray for the youth of of this neighborhood right now. Everyone, let's pray. Now, if I was in that prayer meeting and you're leading the prayer meeting, you would not need to get me to pray. The moment you say, let's pray, I am ready to pray. Why? Because I've been praying at home. So I don't need you to wind me up. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, come on, everybody. I don't, need to, I don't need to be a cheerleader trying to get me to the place where I'm releasing my heart. I already know how to do this because I am a warrior. Are you a warrior? Do you realize God has called you to be a warrior? You're called to be one that knows how to use your weapons of war effectively. And you're called to pull down strongholds, dismantle powers of darkness. The more you learn how to do this on your own, the more effective our corporate prayer meetings will be. So to shift the culture, it's not just trying to just introduce some ideas and just release vision here. It's actually shifting this culture. What's in here right now? Are you hearing me? So what you have is you have um, an atmosphere that many of you have sustained over a period of time. And the atmosphere is a secondary consequence of behavioral patterns, lack of consistency, ideologies. You've not been really seeking God in a certain way. And that mindset or that ideology and everything I've said right there has created an atmosphere around your heart and around your life. An atmosphere sustained over a period of time becomes a, a climate. And certain things would grow in certain climates and will not grow in other climates. Okay, so if we're really wanting to see revival in our corporate body, we need to steward the atmosphere of our own lives first. And we need to see a shift in how we think about God, how we think about spiritual things, how we think about prayer. Which brings me to this scripture I'm going to read today, which is going to be the basis of what I'm sharing with you. Mark 4. So if you go to the Bibles, I'd love you to turn to Mark 4. Mark 4, 35. I've shared a lot from this passage over the years, but I find myself constantly coming back to it when I want to talk about prayer because there are dynamics that I see in this passage that is so important. If you're going to grab hold of the significance of what happens when you get on your own to seek God. So I'll read uh, a few verses here uh, and then uh, uh, we'll see how the Holy Spirit leads us. Mark 4.35 On the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitudes, they took him along in the boat as he was. And not a little boat were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Today, I want to talk about the reality of the spiritual realm. This is one of the pillars that keeps me going when I don't feel like praying. (laughs) 
And I've lived in the UK now since 2001. Uh, before I moved to the UK, I was obviously living in Nigeria. I think I must have said this last week that uh, I was born in Liberia. My dad is from Nigeria and my mom is from Ghana. Now, um, having lived in West Africa for some time, um, all my life, I came to the UK when I was 17. All my life until I turned 17, I never met one person that said to me to my face that they were an atheist. All my life. And I never knew someone, or I can't remember knowing someone that knew someone that was an atheist. So this is me living in West Africa till I was 17. I came to the UK when I was 17. I went to college, Stockport, not far from here. And then my closest friend at college was an atheist. <laughs> so, you know, the Bible says uh, the fool thinks in his heart there's no God. And so he thinks I'm a fool for believing in God, but I think he's a fool for not believing in God. So here you have two fools arguing every day. <laughs> I don't know if we got really far, but, you know, as and we, were still, we remained really good friends. He couldn't just get his head around why I was believing in God. And we had all these interesting discussions. This is an amazing thing. You just have no idea the impact of your life. You know, because some years later after he left college, he was in some deep trouble. Do you know what he did? He go and touch a man and ask for some help. Because <laughs> you may not believe in my God, but you cannot deny the impact of my life. Okay, because my life explains that God is real. So, so... Meeting an atheist and then growing up in this culture uh, uh, over the last, I don't know, 17 plus years and meeting lots of atheists on the streets, going out, meeting people, talking to people. I realized, why is it that it seems like many people in this culture don't believe in God? But when I go to Nigeria and I go to West Africa, people that don't believe in Jesus believe in God. Why is it that there is that reality in that part of the world. Well, I, I've come to this conclusion that it's not that God is not real, but uh, Ephesians 6 says this. It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness. Everyone say rulers of darkness. Darkness is a picture of ignorance. The enemy functions in darkness. So, the enemy is functioning with mass, weapons of mass distraction and destruction over this culture, blinding the eyes of the masses to the reality of God. So people do not believe there is a God, but they have no idea that they already are spiritual beings. And I'll touch on this some more in a few moments. It's not that uh, spiritual realities are not real in this part of the world. In fact, I always say this way. Some people get freaked out when I say things like this. But don't be freaked out. Witchcraft exists right here in Manchester. Just like it does in some African bush. The witchcraft in the African bush and the witchcraft in the UK, it's both witchcraft. They might look different, but their essence is the same. The witchcraft in the West has just been repackaged for the Western mind. But it still exists. One of the reasons why I find that people don't believe in God is this point I want to make right now. The reality of the spiritual world. 
The people on the dark side, if you've lived in Africa, Kenya, South, if you live in that part, you realize people are very aware of spiritual realities. They're very aware of the witch doctor down the road that can do some supernatural things. They're very aware of all these superstitions. And some of it is far-fetched, some of it is very real. And some of it, they live their lifestyle in bondage to the darkness. But they are aware of a spiritual world. There is no way you can be aware of a spiritual world. And when you're a Christian, not bring that reality into your faith. See, when you understand the reality of the spiritual world and you bring that into your faith, your faith takes on a whole new dimension. And the problem with Western Christians is we don't believe the spiritual world is real. We think we're just physical beings. But we're not just physical beings. We are spiritual beings living in a physical body. Now, this is when you begin to understand some of these things, then you understand why prayer is so powerful and why you cannot afford to just live by your eyesight and by what you can feel. The enemy is the master of the sensual realm. He functions in that realm, and that's why he's constantly wanting to just think a certain way, feel a certain way, and he's wanting to fill your emotions and your mind with all kinds of junk so you are more sensual, emotional than you are spiritual. In fact, sometimes in church, we're just emotionally stirred as opposed to spiritually awake. And we're connecting to things that tickle our emotions, but don't have discernment to know what is from the death. The Bible says, deep calls unto deep. If deep calls unto deep, guess what? Shallow calls unto shallow. Some believers are in church, just shallow. Shallow worship shallow word everything's just shallow so they're not going anywhere because they've they've settled in shallow so they attract that shallow if you're after the deep things of God you're gonna find a people that also are it's like you know birds of the same feathers flock together you're gonna find people community that are also after the deep things of God and as you look around you find that these people are really going after God I don't know about you but when I look at this church I believe we are wanting the deep things of God And if we're wanting the deep things of God, then we need to understand that God is not physical. He's spirit. Before Jesus took on a physical body, he existed as a spiritual entity. He is still spirit, but now he has a body. And that body has got nails in it. It's actually a supernatural body that can walk through walls. A body that can be in a million places at the same time. Well, that's why he's God. But before he took on that body, he is not a spirit. It was a spirit, the word. It was spirit in essence. And John tells us God is spirit. Now, let's come back to these verses we just read here. You might be wondering, how does this connect? Well, there's a reality I see in these verses that I think is so important to kind of understand. Now, I'm not going to go through a lot of details as I normally do often when I talk about this particular story. I want to just zoom in on a part of the story, which is where Jesus was asleep. And the disciples are scared they're going to die. Remember, these disciples are experienced fishermen. Remember, these disciples should have been able to read the weather before they left to at least know that a storm was coming. So this storm must have come out of nowhere. And the fact that they're scared they're going to die tells me this is not just an ordinary storm. This is quite intense. Okay, why is this storm this intense? Well, you've got to look deeply into the storm and realize, if you read on, there was a guy on the other side of the storm who called himself Legion. And you know what Legion means? 3,000 foot soldiers and 3,000 horsemen. One guy is possessed by 6,000 demons. Don't ask me with your Western mind how that's possible. Because spiritual reality is boggled the natural mind. How can one guy somehow be influenced by 6,000 demons? 
But there's a passage in Proverbs that likens the heart of a man to a city. So could it be that the size of our spirit is actually a lot, the capacity in our spirit is a lot larger than we can imagine in our natural mind? That one guy is possessed by so many demons boggles my mind. I don't know about you, but you cannot tell me that those demons did not have territorial influence. Because they did. How do I know they did? Because demons are not stupid. They've been here for thousands of years. Now, if you, in case you're getting scared because I'm talking about demons, listen. Heaven is real. Hell is real. God is real. The devil is real. Get over it. <laughs> And by the way, we're not scared of the devil because what? He's under our feet, right? I always say anything under your feet have no, has no business dominating your head. He's on, in fact, next time you want to address any demon that's disturbing you, maybe you need to look down. <laughs> because he's under our feet. We're, you're not supposed to be scared of the devil. He's meant to be scared of you. You don't run away from the dark. The darkness runs away from you. Have you noticed why there's no armor for your backside in Ephesians 6? Because you're never supposed to turn your back to the devil. You're always supposed to be confronting, advancing. And even if you can't advance and you're struggling, he says, having done all to stand, you don't lose ground. Because guess what? God sees you as a warrior, but you don't see yourself as a warrior. And maybe that's why you're not engaging in prayer in the way God wants you to engage in prayer. So these demons are not stupid. They are able to pick up by demonic intelligence that Jesus is coming. Because the presence of Jesus changes things in the atmosphere. The presence of Jesus calls molecules, things to shift, natural law. Things, to, things, things take a different form and a different expression when Jesus shows up. When Jesus shows up, everything begins to react around him. So when Jesus is on the boat moving to the other side, those demons must have known something is coming. Something is coming. We can feel it in the air and we want to drown the deliverer before he comes and brings deliverance. So there they are. And, you know, demonic forces can oftentimes even have influence over the elements. I've, I've, I've heard of many stories, even Rainer Bunke, you hear of stories in Africa, people doing crusades, and some witch doctor comes out, and boom, there's a rain, and all, all the tents are blowing away, and all kinds of, am I scaring you guys tonight? Okay, well, I hope I'm not. If I am, then just chill out, okay? It's, there's nothing to be scared of. <laughs> no, <go ahead. laughs> oh, so, where was I? Uh, demons. <laughs> Ten's been blown away. So these demons picked up by demonic intelligence that Jesus is coming and they want to drown the deliverer before he gets to the other side. So they stir up a storm. And what is in the storm? What is in the storm? The storm is not just something out there that's not tangible. They could feel the impact of the storm. In the storm are two things I want to point your attention to. In the storm, you have the wind and you have the waves. The disciples could not see the wind, but they could feel the impact of the wind because the waves, the water, was getting into the boat. Okay, so now you have the wind, the unseen, causing a manifestation in the sin, the waves. Friends, that's spiritual warfare. That is what intercession can look like many times. Something in the unseen realm, the spiritual world, was influencing things in the physical world. Why do you think Jesus could walk on water? 
because it was operating from another dimension. And the laws in that dimension took over the laws of this physical dimension. The, it was able to shift the laws of physics because it was operating from another dimension, another realm. And it's called the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, you have demons and you have the angels. You have the kingdom of light and you have the kingdom of darkness. Now, we are called to the kingdom of light. We are people of the light. We are not scared of the dark. We are children of the light and we're called to chase out the darkness everywhere we go. Listen, Satan is not the opposite of God. Because God has no opposites. Okay, so uh, Satan is a created vein, just like the angels. So he can't really oppose God because that's not, that's not even possible. Are you, are you hearing me? So oftentimes we're praying or like we're thinking of yeah, the, as a fight between God and the devil. It's not so much that as it is a fight between the devil and the people of God. Because he knows he lost, he tried to oppose God and boom, he was out. Now he tries to oppose the people made in God's image. Okay, so you, your physical being is not you. Let me say it this way. Your body is not you. Your body is your container. I've got this jacket on right now. Just like I put this jacket on, that's how your body is put on. That's how your spirit has put on your body. Because when you die and your body is buried in the earth, that doesn't mean you cease to exist. The fact that your physical body dies does not mean you cease to exist. Now, let's go back to Genesis. God formed a man from the dust of the earth. And then when God had formed the dust of the earth, only then did God breathe his life. And when God breathed his life, that dust became a living soul. So without the breath of God, it was just a shell. So Adam was in the breath of God before he got into his shell. Are you hearing me? What came from God? God is eternal, right? God is eternal, John tells us, and God is spirit. So what came from God was spiritual substance. God formed Adam's physical substance. And then God released from himself his spiritual substance. Your body makes you legal on this planet. Without your body, you're an illegal spirit here. Without your body, you cannot be here. So your body is actually a blessing. You have your body to be a human on this planet. But the fact that you don't have your body does not mean you cease to be human. You exist as a spirit being. So God breathed his life into Adam. So before Adam got, sorry, yeah, into Adam's shell. Before Adam got into his shell, he was in God. You remember Jeremiah 1? Jeremiah 1 says, uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Where was Jeremiah before he got into his mother's womb? He was in God. Where was Adam before he got into his shell? He was in God. Where were you before you got into your mother's womb? You were in God. Every human spirit has eternity on it. Whether they believe in Jesus or not. Every one of us, we have eternity written on our hearts, even if we deny the reality of God. 
we're still going to meet God one day. Every human being is going to face <laughs> the reality of the spirit world. Now, if you were to die instantly right now, you step out of your body, the spiritual world is right there. You, there's nothing that you can't see. You see the angels, you see the, you see the reality of the spiritual world. But imagine you step back into your body. All of a sudden, you don't see the spiritual world. It's like you're not as aware. You step out of your body, your spirit, you're on the spiritual, you step into your body. So what's going on there? Well, when you're in your body, your physical body, the, 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 the veil of the flesh and the soulish realm oftentimes blocks us from discerning the reality of the spiritual world that we are already existing in. Are you hearing me today? We already exist in this spiritual world, whether we're conscious of it or not. This is such an important pillar in understanding the power of prayer. Because Hebrews 11 says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. For the things that are seen, okay, so we've got a table right here. This table came from a tree, okay? You've got all these things, this iron. The things that we see around us, the Bible says they were made from things unseen. Hebrews 11. The things that we see around us were made from things that our physical eyes do not see. The fact that our physical eyes do not see them does not mean they do not exist. And the fact that the physical world came from a spiritual world says the spiritual world is superior to the physical world. You don't try to change things in the physical world by just changing things in the physical world. You have to Especially things that pertain to the kingdom of God, the purposes of God, and your personal destiny, what God has called you to, or what God has called Ram Church to, or what God has called a local church to. Whatever that is, you do not see those things change by just trying to get better in your administrative skills. You don't try to, you don't change those things and advance God's kingdom by just getting better in your preaching skills. You don't change those things by just getting better in your singing skills or whatever skills you think you have, natural abilities. If you really want to affect the kingdom of darkness and advance the kingdom of God in the earth, you have to first do your homework in the spiritual realm. Many Christians are not engaged in the spiritual realm. So when the pastor says, let's pray, the reason why you keep your mouth shut and you're not engaged in the prayer is because you have no idea what's going on in the spiritual realm. If you were to realize that because you're opening your mouth to pray, things are shifting and things are moving, you will not want to keep your mouth shut. Okay, you get, on, or you get on your knees at 6 in the morning or 6.30 or whatever time you wake up and say, Lord, I'm going to pray. And you feel absolutely nothing. In fact, you feel sleepy. And you feel like you don't want to read. Your, in fact, you read your Bible and none of it is making sense. You pray, it feels like it's going nowhere. The only reason why you're going to keep going, well, one of the reasons why I keep going is because I have an understanding of the fact that the, the, because I feel nothing does not mean nothing is going on. I cannot just be a Christian that's living based on just my flesh. Have you ever been to the movies and watched like an incredible movie like, I don't know, some movie that's got all the sci-fi effects and all that craziness. I don't know. <laughs> Avengers, Black Panther, some, some movies like that. Anyone seen those kind of sci-fi crazy movies? Have you ever watched the making of the movies, like behind the scenes? 
You see, when they're acting out those movie scenes, they have all this crazy gymnastics they do. When you watch behind the scenes, you don't see the crazy building and the laser beams. And all you see is an actor, sometimes with dots all over his body, holding some crazy thing. And what he has behind him is a green screen. So the director says to the actor, now, actor, I want you to move your hand like you know. When you move your hand, a ballistic missile comes out of your chest. And when that ballistic missile comes out of your chest, I want you to act like you can feel it come out of your chest. Because when the final production is done, actor, that green screen is something, going to be something totally different. And when you move your hand, there's actually going to be the ballistic missile coming out of your chest. So the actor has to believe the, deri- the, the, actor has to believe the director's report. And the actor has to act based on the fact that he or she believes that when he moves his or her hand, something extraordinary comes out of them. Welcome to the ministry of prayer and intercession. Listen, when you're praying in the natural, you feel nothing. But from heaven's perspective, the sound effects have been added. The graphic effects have been added. So when you lifted your hands and said, Jesus, I worship you, do you know what just happened? Earthquake just took place in the realm of the spirit, destroying the strongholds of darkness. But you never saw it. You never felt it. But you have to believe. You have to believe your director. Your director is Jesus. And he's telling you there's a green screen behind you. When you pray, things happen. The fact that you don't feel it does not mean it's not happening. You have to get this down in your soul. You have to get this reality down in your spirit. Listen, one of the reasons why I'm passionate about prayer is because I know things happen. In fact, there's some prayer meetings, I mean, where I say to my wife, I would say to myself, Lord, when I get to heaven, I want to watch the playback of this prayer meeting. Because I know some things were shifting. In the, I, I could feel some of it, and sometimes I didn't feel anything, but I knew some craziness was going on in the realm of the spirit, and I just want to see how the angels were bamboozling the demons are you hearing me today i am not one of those that always sees in the spirit and sees anybody do run with people especially when you do prayer things you run with all kinds of people you know that see into the realm of the spirit they see angels and demons i don't really see all these things all the time if i remember one day i was sat at home with my wife my wife tends to see things in the spirit oftentimes we're just sitting having a conversation just chilling out next thing i know becca gets up how dare you come into this place? I command you, live now in the name of Jesus. Some sounds so like, oh my goodness. <laughs> what has just happened? <laughs> Comes back and sits down as though nothing has happened. <laughs> and I'm like, what's that about? He's like, oh, I just saw a demon walk in. And I had to take authority and cast it out. Because they had no legal ground being here. Are you hearing me today? Now, I don't necessarily see demons. Maybe you do. But if you do, don't get scared because they're under your feet. Remember that? As long as you're not living in agreement with them, you have authority over them. As long as you're not sleeping with the enemy, you have authority over the enemy. Okay, jealousy, unforgiveness, lust. As long as that's not in your heart, you have... But if you're messing around with with things that belong to the enemy's camp, then he's going to very much come and make his home in your camp. And don't guess... Are you hearing me today? (laughs) So the basis of the fear is if you have any kind of agreement. That's why holiness is spiritual warfare 101. 
when you begin to understand the reality of the spiritual world, you begin to understand that there is a lot more going on when you open your mouth. Now, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And this is what he said. He says, when you pray, say. Everyone say, when you pray. pray. Say. Say. He didn't say, when you pray, think. Some of you have been thinking too much. And your mouth is shut. No words. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in waiting on God. I do that in my private prayer time. I have times where I'm still. And I, wait. I believe that's, that's a dimension of prayer we need to enter more into. But when we come together like this, and the pastor, the leader says, let's worship or let's pray. It's not a time to keep your mouth shut. And notice how there's such a pressure in the atmosphere oftentimes to just shut your mouth. Say nothing. You're feeling so depressed and oppressed and you're saying nothing. That's why the depression and the oppression, especially demonic depression, is going to carry on. Because your mouth is shut. Now, I do understand that there's chemical imbalances and all that kind of stuff. But the depression I have experienced that oftentimes, if I all the time, been demonic depression. And it's only carried on when I kept my mouth shut. Just when you pray, everyone say, say. So when Pastor Joe comes or Pastor Stacy comes or you go to any prayer meeting with the understanding of the power of your words, you should always be an asset to every prayer meeting you step into. I've been to some of the prayer meetings we have around church and sometimes I'm thinking, someone just died here. Guys, can we pray? This is not meditative time. We're about to have a service out there. Have you got mouths? You can t- I'm, oh, I saw you last night shouting when, the, when, the, when your favorite team scored. Right? And we're here and you're frozen chicken. What's going on? You've got a mouth. You can speak. Release your words. Listen, listen. You've got to understand this. Words have prophetic implication and have no geographic limitation. So when you pray... You better open your mouth because you could be praying right here and your words are causing a shift in your home over there. Are you hearing me? Oh, your, your words are causing a shift in your job place over there. Your words are causing a shift in the family over there. Sound, releasing something from your heart. It's so important because you're, you're engaging the spiritual realm. And you engage the spiritual realm and do your homework in the spiritual realm by releasing your words in worship, by releasing your words in prayer. There is, there is no shortcut to overcoming the powers of the enemy or advancing the kingdom of God. You have to do some homework in the spirit. But many Christians are showing up to church and they've not done their homework. And they wonder why they're not making the impact that God has called them to make. Because you're not doing your homework at home. You're complaining about God, about what God hasn't done. You're not using the words God's called you to use against the powers of darkness. And actually speak blessing and, and, and fruitfulness and breakthroughs. You're speaking the opposite. Notice when when uh, Peter was when Peter kind of renounced Christ and uh, and denounced Jesus he did it three times didn't he when Jesus was going to restore Peter how many times did Jesus have to get him to renounce every word three times i love you once i love you twice i love you three times with every declaration peter was making he was undoing the curse of what he did before so 
Don't underestimate the power of what comes out of your mouth. So powerful. So when the pastor says, let's pray, you're like, right now, I don't feel like praying. I just had an argument with my wife. And I'm just thinking about all my bills. Oh, actually, I don't really feel close to God right now. And God feels so far away. So, you know what? I'm not going to bother praying. Listen, you cannot allow those emotions and those thoughts to stop you back from opening your mouth. Because God, you see, we sing that song, I love your presence. God sings the same about you. I love your presence. Some people think about God like he's just waiting to just smash you on the head with a hammer because you haven't prayed for three days. The fact that you're... What, I forgot your name. I remember you shared a testimony not too long ago at church where you said you'd gone so far away from God and you thought you were so far away from God, but the moment you turned back, he was right there. Didn't you say, I remember that? That really touched me because sometimes we think that God is just so far away. He is right there. So you're feeling so disconnected. You're feeling so rubbish as a Christian. Well, the best thing you can do is turn to him. Why are you turning to Netflix? Why are you turning to all the other junk and games? That's not going to fix you. It's its presence that's going to do it. And even if you don't feel anything, you, uh, you're like, uh, you're putting, a, how, do I, how do I word it is? You're like depositing in your heavenly account. <laughs> As you're spending time in his presence, even when you don't feel like it, you're depositing in that account. I think I must have shared this last week. I'm going to round up because I'm aware of the time. I must share this. I don't know if it was here I shared this. <laughs> but Daniel, when he was thrown into the lions, when, when the, uh, the law went up and the law said, you know, no one should pray to any other God. You know what Daniel did? He went on his knees, opened the window, and he prayed like he'd always done from his youth. So that was like decades from when he was in Daniel 1. Okay? So he'd been doing this for many years. Daniel, after hearing the decree of the king, did not proclaim or did not call a seven-day fast. He didn't call a prayer meeting with all his friends. Say, guys, we need to pray against this decree right now. The king is against us and we're in trouble, so we need to pray intensely. Daniel just carried on praying the same way he'd prayed for decades, even though the pressure was intense. Why? Because he had a reservoir of prayer for decades. <laughs> Are you hearing me? When you read Daniel 1, Daniel 2, Daniel 3, Daniel 4, that didn't happen like day 1, day 2, day 3, day 4. Decades. Daniel spent time on his knees praying, seeking God. Some days he felt totally dry. Some days he felt no goosebump. Some days he wondered if God heard him, but he just kept doing it. And then one day out of nowhere, boom, an angel shows up. Daniel, greatly beloved. Daniel is having this angelic encounter, and he's just thinking, what on earth is going on? And even after the encounter for days, Daniel is physically sick. That was the, listen, that's even a picture of the power of the spiritual world. He's having an encounter from an angel that's not got physical body, and he cannot bear it physically. People who really encounter God are oftentimes overwhelmed by the power, by the reality. I remember listening to a guy who had this encounter where he's thinking, Lord, I think I'm going to die. I cannot handle your prayer. In fact, think about John, the apostle. He's leaning his head on Jesus' chest one moment. Jesus shows up in his glory. John is on the floor like a dead man. The same Jesus. <laughs> because I'm telling you, your physical body cannot handle certain dimensions of his glory. But here you have Daniel. He's praying day in and day out, week in and week out. I guarantee you, he wasn't having angelic encounters every day. 
what we have recorded are like highlights. <laughs> highlights of decades of consistency. You want those highlights now. But have you been faithful in the consistent? Have you been faithful and consistent when you felt nothing? Or have you just thought to yourself, you know what? I don't know. Name some great man of God. Oh, they seem to always connect with God. Well, I guess maybe I've got a problem and God doesn't want to connect with me. So I'm just going to not carry on praying. You don't realize that sometimes the jealousy of God holds back certain dimensions of his glory until all of you seeks all of him. He has a protective mechanism he's put in place that stops you from stepping into dimensions of his glory that will destroy you because all of you is not even seeking all of him. You're just half into it. And you don't want to die. <laughs> Ananias and Sapphira, they died lying in the presence of God. That's the dimension of the glory. <laughs> and when you step into that kind of glory, you better have all your heart given to God. So I'm going to say to you today, as I round up right now, the, rea the reality of the spiritual world has to be foundational, has to be a pillar in the way you view spiritual activities like worship and prayer. Next time you go into a worship context, just, just, just close your eyes and say, Lord, Lord, what's really going on in the spirit realm right now? Don't just sit there and go, oh, yeah, the band is not sounding great. Oh, oh yeah, oh, Olivia went out of key there. <laughs> or whatever it is you think. Lord, what is going on in the realm of the spirit right now? I want to engage. And sometimes you can sense opposition. Okay, Lord, how do I respond? You don't need a microphone to shift that opposition, by the way. You don't need to be on the platform to shift the atmosphere of the room. Do you realize that? <laughs> right there at the back of the room, you can shift the atmosphere of the room. Okay, as I was running up, I want to finish with this point. Have you noticed that sometimes, I don't like this when this happens oftentimes in Christian events and meetings where you have a worship leader or you have a guy server there and worship is going on and uh, they seem disengaged. Maybe they're a worship leader, they're a pastor, they're, they seem disengaged in terms of just looking and the out, outwardly, they seem disengaged until the microphone is handed to them. Come on, everybody, lift your hands. Hallelujah. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, I saw you a few moments ago. <laughs> you weren't praying. You weren't worshiping. How is it that now you have the microphone? You're like, come on, everybody. Blah, 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 blah. Are, are you hearing me? It's a mindset that many of us buy into, thinking that because our voice is amplified, we're more effective or we carry more authority because our voice is loud and everyone can hear us. You don't need a microphone to shift the spiritual atmosphere of a meeting, a prayer meeting, an event. There is already a spiritual microphone at your mouth without you being on the platform. And when you understand that your words affect the spiritual atmosphere and shift things around the spirit, when you understand that, then when you're sensing opposition because you're saying, Lord, what's going on in this meeting right now? Or as you're praying like, hmm, I feel like something is quite off here. Because you understand that you don't need the microphone, you're going to speak. You're going to pray in a certain way that's actually... You believe what you're praying. You believe the authority God's given you. And because you understand and know who you are, the enemy recognizes that you know who you are. Some Christians are just praying wimpishly. 
without the understanding of who God's called them to be. So the enemy knows, well, it looks like you don't know. You don't even believe what you're saying. You're just saying it because the pastor said it last week. Do you believe it? Who do you say that I am? Jesus asked the disciples. No, who did, this, who did that person say I am? Who did the pastor say I am? Okay, this is going to be my last point. <laughs> and then I'm going to round up. Okay, literally, I promise, God help me. So, talking about the reality of the spiritual world, this illustration helps me. And I already made this point earlier on, but I think this illustration drives it home some more. This kind of thing right here is casting a shadow. That table is casting a shadow. The shadow is not the real thing. The shadow is a reflection of the real thing. You don't try to move the shadow around by moving the shadow around. That would be stupid. Well, that's what many of us do. To move that shadow, you have to move the thing that's casting a shadow. There are things going on in your world that are the shadow of things going on in the spiritual world. And if you don't move that realm, forget about trying to make any impact in this realm. Thank you for tuning in to Prayerstorm Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's edition. For more information and teaching, and if you'd like to get connected, please visit www.prayerstorm.org.